Ladies, gentlemen, Jews, and others, this is your favorite sub-podcast from the Reboot Podcast universe, now rebranded and reformed like a phoenix with a long beard and payas. It's Casher versus Casher rebooted as its own podcast. My name is Moshe Kasher. I'm a comedian. My name is David Kasher, and I'm a rabbi. And that is every Jewish mother's dream, to have one son in the clergy and one son in the real clergy show business. This is a trying time for all of us, and we thought a little bit of content couldn't hurt. So, David, the first thing that you came up with that you wanted to talk to when Reboot approached us about doing this as a podcast was cleanliness, right? Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about about cleanliness in, in Judaism. Goes Concerns for cleanliness go all the way back. And we're all sort of hyper-concerned with cleanliness now more than we ever have been before. We're all washing our hands, watching videos about how to wash our hands, thinking about wearing gloves and masks and ritualized cleansing of ourselves from this horrible virus. So is this a particularly Jewish time or have we been preparing this for 2000 years? Are we the most well-prepared people to fight this virus off, David? Well, I, well, I don't know about that, but, uh, but there's, some, there's some precedent for Jews uh, having made their way through, uh, through plagues uh, because of their uh, persistent hand washing, right? They, they say that during the, uh, the Black Plague in Europe that Jews did well because of their, their hand, rock, hand washing rituals. Is that right? Jews didn't suffer as much in the Black Plague? I mean, I don't know if that's true, but that's like the lore is that they survived in greater percentages and people thought it was a conspiracy, of course, but that an explanation for that was that they have all kinds of rituals around bathing and washing hands and that that just wasn't normative and that's and it was for us and that's what saved us. Uh, just another example of Jewish exceptionalism. We were washing hands before it was cool. Now, actually, isn't that the same um, uh, panic that led to people thinking this horrible uh, myth about Jews in the Dark Ages, that they were um, killing babies to bake their blood into into their matzah? Wasn't that all connected to why they were surviving the Black Plague and such? I think that's right, David. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if there were other conspiracy theories floating around then, but I'm saying well, like... I maybe a legitimate theory of why Jews could survive a plague is that they have all these hand-washing rituals in, in integrated into their lives. Well, I just want to take us on a quick aside uh, in my true obsession, the, uh, the rumor of Jewish uh, baby murder and blood, blood sacrifice. I do actually think that that's true, that the Jews were surviving the Black Plagues in numbers that they weren't supposed to be surviving them in, and the people around them couldn't understand why, and so they started to concoct all of these wild and mega evil theories on why it would be. And I don't know what fiction writer, what, what screen, early screenplay writer came up with that idea that that must be, that's the kind of thing that would make the Jews survive the Black Plague is blood in the matzah, but I'm pretty sure that that's where it comes from. So where's the first example of the Jewish obsession with cleanliness? Why do we wash our hands so much? Why do we care so much? Well, the, the starting point for, for this conversation, I think, is the book of Leviticus, which is the middle book of the Torah, of the five books of the Torah. 
And it's usually, I would say, thought of as the, the, the most boring book, the least engaging book, uh, because it's full of all these priestly laws. Like the priests were the people that, um, that carried out the sacrifices in the temple, and it's all about how they did that. But uh, it has this whole other realm of law um, that, that relates to the temple, which is uh, purity laws, because there was some idea that they had to be pure to go into the temple. We usually translate it as, as pure. The word is tahor, but another way that it's often translated is clean. So tahor and tameh, pure and impure, might also be thought of as states of cleanliness and uncleanliness. There are laws that deviate from um, the priestly uh the priestly code, but so many of the laws have to do with this idea that you could somehow become tame, you could somehow become unclean. And there were various things that created uh, this state of, 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 of uncleanliness, of, of dirtiness. And one of them was sickness. And, and Leviticus spends a lot of time thinking about sicknesses and, and sicknesses that are that are spreading and people that need to be quarantined and, and how to heal them and bring them back into the camp. And so a lot of the concerns uh, that, we're, that we're dealing with right now, if you had to pick a place in the Torah where they were, they were processing them most vigorously, it would be in the book of Leviticus. Well, I do remember reading some of those, like uh, the breakdown of the schedule. It, it does get a little bit like... Um, at 10.05, the high priest will wash his feet. Then at 10.07, he will scrape the bunions off of his biggest toe, go back, take off his underwear, dip his balls into the mikvah, come back out, wash his hands twice, put oil on his forehead, wipe his butt, go back into the mikvah. It was very intense, but that wasn't just for the high priest you're saying. It was for every Jew in the community. No, it was no. It actually it wasn't just for the high priest, but it was it wasn't for every Jew. It was for the priests. The priests had all of these rituals. Um, I don't know about the wiping rituals, but they definitely had hand washing rituals. Like no, the wiping the wiping is a hundred percent legitimate. I don't know what translation of the Bible you're reading right now, but I've got the um, I've got I think the most legitimate one, and it definitely talks ah, okay. about the high priest right. wiping. I'll, but I'll go back and take another look. But um, but actually, we we read the Torah in this yearly cycle, and the laws of the priests washing their hands we actually read on the cycle two weeks ago. Like eerie timing there. But, uh, right. but yeah, this basin, there was this sort of uh, copper basin that the Torah says you should have there when you're when you're working in the temple, and you should you, you should wash your hands and your feet when you go into the into the the area where you'd offer the sacrifices and it says and if you don't then you'll die so whatever the reason i don't know metaphysical mystical spiritual reason is for that it definitely has the 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 idea of washing hands as a as an important and 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 serious act that has you know grave consequences if it's not followed well, we have a very similar grave consequence if you don't wash your hands with for 20 seconds, specifically after watching a YouTube video on, on exactly how to wash your hands. And they didn't even have the, I don't know if you know this, David, they didn't have the advantage of YouTube uh, during the priestly time. They didn't I have did YouTube not, at I all. I did not know that. No. I did not know that. No, that's a rough, that, that was a rough reality for them. So, okay, so you know how there's this idea with like, okay, with, don't, eat, uh, don't eat pork, right? And there's an idea that I know you're going to find, take great umbrage with, 
and get very offended as a rabbi. But there's an idea that the reason they said don't eat shellfish or don't eat pork is was actually they were kind of uh, they were Trojan horsing in a message about dietary cleanliness into uh, what they were saying was actually a religious message. So like, you know, somebody in the in the uh, the hierarchy knew that pork and shellfish at that time were, were addled with disease and would make people sick. So they said, actually, it's God that doesn't want you to eat pork. Now, take that for what it's worth. Do you think there might be a kind of a similar idea with all of the focus on hand washing and cleanliness that the rabbis knew that on some level that cleaning yourself would keep away disease? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've heard those theories and I don't know if they're true for, you know, for keeping kosher, for example. Like, were, were pigs really less healthy than other animals? But when, but I do think that when you look at those, the laws of tuma, that's the Hebrew word for, for what we're calling un, uncleanliness. Those laws, like, they, they, they come up around all kinds of areas of life that I think just intuitively people are kind of... Uh, icked out by you know like like disease and and bodily fluids and and death and 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 just you know mold and things that people are are kind of naturally um wary of i think those are the areas that the torah assigns um these these cleanliness laws And, and and you know you just mentioned the rabbis like so far we've been only talking about the priests and what they had to do and we don't even have priests active anymore um what 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 makes this you know relevant to our judaism is these rabbis who appeared after after the the great temple in in jerusalem was destroyed in the year 70 um which you know was a big catastrophe for judaism but definitely meant in a, in a very direct way that the whole realm of priestly sacrifices and purity rituals and all that all of that's done for it no longer applies but the rabbis did this did this kind of move where they took a lot of they cared about those old laws, but there there was no place to 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 carry them out anymore. So they took a lot of those laws, and hand washing was one of them. And they tried to find ways to insert them into everyday Jewish life. I mean, that was like that was the big rabbinic pride. That's like when you when you think about the Talmud, what the Talmud is is an essentially an attempt to figure out well, how can we like now in the exile after you know after we've been um, kicked out of our land and we're going to carry Judaism with us throughout the world, what, what's it going to look like? And one of, the, one of their answers was, well, we can take a lot of those old laws and find ways to ritualize them in our, in our daily lives. And that's where you start to get these, uh, this idea of hand washing is just a thing that Jews do as part of their, you know, a part of their ri- ritual and religious life in all kinds of like, you know, like before they eat a meal, most, most classically. So they would have to look at different behaviors and decide what would be considered Tuma now? Yeah, I mean... Actually, David, before, before you answer that, I have a little anecdote, which is that the high, the high uh, chief rabbi of Austria, he came into the community and he walked into um, a, a preschool, a kindergarten, actually, a kindergarten from the German kindergarten. And, he, and, and they asked, the kids asked him, uh, he said he had a headache and the kids are like, it might be a tumor. And he looked at them and he said, it's not a tumor. That's what he said to the kids. No, no. 
Kindergarten Cop, folks. It's a great movie. And while you're quarantining, I recommend giving it a watch. It's not a Tuma. Okay, that was good. That was really good. Um, Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Um, you said you were a comedian, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, you said you were a uh, rabbi, so continue to um, continue to... Continue to bore us with that uh, with ancient priestly law. Um, well, I was gonna say I was gonna say blo- bloviate or bloviate, I, and I simultaneously couldn't decide uh, if I knew how to pronounce the word and also if it would actually offend you uh, because we're not actually in person because we're both also quarantining. You know, we're not really able to see each other's body language, and I thought maybe if I say continue to bloviate, bloviate, whichever the right word is, David will actually become upset at me, and it will affect our relationship. And I can't have that happen just for a podcast. Well, so, I mean, but it doesn't really, we don't really have a relationship anymore, right? We live in separate, we don't see each other. It's okay. <laughs> well, we've got a podcast. And in we the new future, the, in the post COVID future, having a podcast is akin to having a relationship with a human this being. Is, this is as close as people get. Yeah. That's right. So I am, though, con- uh, curious and am actually interested. This, essentially, what you're saying, the Cliff Notes version of what you're saying is, in the time of Leviticus, there was a priestly class and they were obsessed with cleanliness and washing and rules and all these r- rules of ritual cleanliness. The temple was destroyed. The priestly class was shattered to the winds. There was no more. The rabbis took over as the leader, the religious leadership, and they decided to take these arcane cleansing rituals, which maybe were less arcane to them at the time, and kind of sprinkle them into our daily ritualistic life, which leads us to washing our hands before the bread and washing our hands after we go to the bathroom and all of these different things. Is that right? I mean, that that's you, you did. That was a nice summary. That that's a you, you're a good bloviator. Um, no, yeah, no, that's, that's the opposite of bloviating. It's the opposite to summarize. <laughs> We're having a fight now on the podcast. Um, that's no, that's true. right. Um, there's, yeah, there's, there are some, they, there's a whole tractate in the Mishnah about hand washing. Like there's an entire volume of the Talmud, um, devoted to hand washing. Um, and, uh, and you know, there are all kinds of areas where they thought to, as you put it, sprinkle them in, but there's some classics like, um, before you eat a meal, that's one of the classics we mentioned. Um, when you leave a cemetery, do you remember that when we would like, when we were kids and we'd go to cemetery, you, you wash your hands when you leave. That's a thing. Oh yeah, um, I remember. I have fond memories of when you and I were kids, and we would we would always go haunt around the local Jewish cemetery just for fun, <laughs> just a just a couple of brothers out having a good time. But we always remembered to ritualistically wash our hands <laughs> when we left the death zone. No, it was more like we were like, I need to wash my hands. Where where can I go to wash my hands? Oh, let's go to the cemetery. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. We didn't have running water growing up, so we would lo- go visit the local cemetery and wash our hands. It was a nice childhood we had. It was, it was, it was fun. It was fun. No, but um, I'm, I'm not- one of the main ones is um, when you get up in the morning, the first thing that you're supposed to do is wash your hands. In fact, I, I, there's, a, there's a custom of, do, you know, it should so be the first thing you do that, that some people keep a little, a little uh, basin uh, of water near their bed, so they can just step out of bed and immediately wash their hands. So you kind of start you start your day with hand washings, and of course, like at this point, that has a mostly spiritual connotation. But but in the like, in the original formulation of the law, they did. I mean, you asked, you know, the what, like what's the connection between the priestly laws and these, and and they, there's like a loose connect. Like they would. They would sort of theorize that, well, sleeping creates its own impurity. Like, 
maybe because you're, you know, you're touching, you know, parts of your body, or maybe because, you know, just you, your eyes crust over, so your body just gets dirtier, or maybe there are like, you know, David, evil David, parts, you know. David. Am I bloviating? Can we, no, you're not bloviating. You're now you're beating around the bush, I, which is ironically <laughs> what they were actually actually concerned with was you beating around the bush. It wasn't your eyes crusting over or you touching your body. It was jerking off, wasn't it? Right. Well, they did have a very they, in in rabbinic literature. You find a very stark fear of wet dreams. That's that's, that's yes. certainly one thing that comes up. They don't they don't I've, put I it had, in the language of jerking off because that's also forbidden, you know. So they're like, but sure. what if you what if you just happen to have a wet dream and then and then you would oh so you're, you're saying wet dreams was kind of a euphemism for them for what they knew was happening which I'm was only, probably I'm, people masturbating. I'm just realizing that now. You're helping me realizing that now. I, I always wondered, like, gosh, they had a lot of wet dreams back in those days, <laughs> but. <laughs> but it but it seems to me like oh yeah right that might have been the other thing they were worried about or or right, just so, yeah or so just now plain I'm sorry really, you know like sorry, just it, just plain again, old sex. you know because the idea that like the, the the idea of drawing from these early biblical laws means that one of the things that the Bible is really concerned about is like weird genital discharges you know they were like I don't know what they were worried about but like if you what, had, like a like a bunch of coins or something like that? No, like like gonorrhea or something. Oh, not like uh, you look down at your bed and you've had a wet dream and there's just like a there's a beautiful turkey dinner down there and you're like, what a weird genital discharge that was. No, but that would be good, right? Like they, that would be, that would uh, be good. Class, you know, feed the community. Yeah. So they um, were concerned with STDs and and genital uncleanliness and stuff like that. But you know, a, a lot of religious leaders are sex obsessed. I think what's even more interesting and unique here is the idea that you're getting at which is really fascinating which is that the that the jews maybe through an accident of religious providence or maybe through design or maybe just a a mixture of both were way ahead of the curve in terms of cleanliness and hand washing at a time when you know germ theory nobody knew about germs so nobody understood that washing your hands before you go into a surgery or eat a meal or do do basic transactions was a good idea. So the Jews just sort of stumbled into this uh, best practices on cleanliness long before. And as you say that, I'm starting to think, I think it must have been the the hand washing that got them through the the Black Plague with better, and probably other plagues, with better success than neighboring communities. And I could see how a neighboring community would look at the Jews and go, you know, what do they got that I ain't got? Why aren't they dying in this grade of numbers? I'm really interested and curious and would like to talk to a historic epidemiologist about this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think that there's some, there's got to be some truth to that. And, and it, it also makes me wonder if not just like the hand washing happened to be useful in this time or another, but if it actually affected all of that hand washing. And it wasn't just hand washing, by the way. It's also like there's the mikvah, the ritual bath, which right. which part of Jewish life so in you know entirely bathing um and 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 surely well, those things were it's were David good it's 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 weekly baths at least and multiple daily hand washings at least that is pretty significant as compared to the people in the dark ages 
Yeah, that's that's got to be true. Like how how it actually played out, I don't know, but that there's got to be something to it. But I I also I, it makes me wonder also if these rituals didn't just you know happen to wash off germs at certain points in our history, but also like made us people who were generally obsessed with cleanliness. Like where does first of all, why is the Torah? so obsessed with it. And I don't know, you'd have to ask the priests, why is it so important to them? But like, it also means that, you know, Jews make like being forced to do this or, you know, integrating it into their lives become these people who just think of hand washing as, you know, it's like, it's like the genesis of, of Jewish neuroses, you know, like, oh, you just, you obsessively have to do all these things. And one of them is to keep clean. So it's like, um, you know, I think Jewish law in general lends itself uh, pretty well to kind of OCD tendencies. But when you're talking about washing your hands, I mean, I don't, you know, you're, you're, I don't want to out you here on this podcast, but you're, you're, you're kind of a germaphobe, aren't you? Well, I think of myself as normal. You think of me as a bit of a uh, germaphobe. I mean, maybe I think of myself as normal because I have friends in my life that are actual weird OCD addled kind of anxiety ridden neurotics. Like I, one of my best friends, he, before he eats, he goes into the bathroom, washes his hand, clenches it into a fist and stuffs his fist into his jacket as he walks back to the dinner table. Uh, So to me, that's a germaphobe. Now you think I'm a germaphobe because I lean away from you when you cough. I feel like that's pretty normal. Well, but what I'm saying is not, I, I don't, I don't mean it as an insult. What I'm saying, I mean, you're probably a more um, careful than I am. But I think I also have germophobic tendencies, but I guess part of what I'm saying is like, uh, one of the things we're realizing now is that eh, it's good to be afraid of germs. Germs are bad and they can oh, get you. Oh, absolutely. And, no, and it's kind of like, isn't this time more than any other time, the time when OCD people who have been, you know, marginalized and made fun of for, you know, for 20, 30 years are now kind of like moonwalking past us going like, bitch, I've been washing my hands 20 times a day. This is my time to shine. I I was right this whole time. You thought I was mentally ill. I'm not mentally ill. I'm mentally prepared. Way to, way to stand up for the cause. Thank you. Yes. Very very right. Especially since it's primarily your cause. But, but what I'm saying is like, there's something like, I guess I'm, what I'm wondering is like, you know, the, there's this idea of like the neurotic Jew. And I kind of like, I wonder if that, whatever that is, comes from some of this like obsessive ritual. And and especially once you see that some of those rituals are, have to do with things like staying clean, you know? So like, well, it's just in our psyche. Like, you know, well, we're of course. obsessive about things and, and we're obsessive about being clean. That's one of our neuroses. No, I think that there's there's no doubt about it. Every culture, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Every culture, especially an ancient culture, has these seeds of behavior and thought that it sows early in their history. And if it lasts long enough and those seeds are planted deep enough, well, they flower into uh, unforeseen consequences of being, it's in the same, uh, in the same way that there's um, intergenerational trauma you know, when a, when a community goes through great horrors, there's got to be also intergenerational culture and intergenerational, uh, in our case, 
fastidiousness. I mean, how could you look at a religion like Judaism that with 613 laws and not think, okay, you know, and then laws within laws and loopholes within loopholes and, and arguments about the exact meaning of the law and how to wash your hands and where to say a prayer and not think, okay, eventually this is going to turn into a people that are at, at the most generous, very obsessed with the little things, the details. Right. Right. I mean, but I, don't, I, so I'll, I, I think that there's, there's, there's gotta be truth to that analysis, but I, I also, I mean, you know, being the rabbi on this podcast, like I, I also don't want to leave it just in the realm of, of kind of anthropology. Like I think there's something spiritual here as well. Like the priests themselves after all were, they weren't just obsessed with cleanliness. They were obsessed with holiness. Like they were trying to create something sacred. And so were the rabbis. And there's this, and they may have had an obsessive way of doing it, but there is this, I don't know, like, you know, that phrase, like cleanliness is next to godliness. And I've been wondering about that lately. If like, as you try to create holy spaces, there's lots of things that you might think about getting right. And one of them is that they should be kind of clean, you know, like the way that you feel when you get out of, uh, you know, of, of a shower is like refreshing and maybe more prepared for a spiritual experience in a way. You know, well, I will say that um, the mikvah. I've always thought of Yom Kippur as a kind of a spiritual mikvah. That you know, you dive into these waters of repentance at one day a year, and then even if it's just a psychological trick I'm playing on myself, you exit it feeling like you left all of that stuff behind, and so. And I and I love the ritual of going into an actual mikvah, specifically the mikvah uh, of the ocean, right before Yom Kippur. There's always been something really nice about that for me, walking in and feeling actually cleansed and then spiritually cleansed. So yeah, I'm with yeah. you, Rabbi. No, I mean, and you're you're saying like this is how you felt about it, but that, that language is actually. I mean, you're, you're hitting on something that's actually been written into Yom Kippur. There's a lot of a lot of the liturgy is like, may we be purified and cleansed like water washing over us and may it wash away our sins and this and that. And so like you can see a kind of an association, like what does it mean to become, you know, sin free, reborn? Like, you know, not all of these spiritual concepts are going to be so like relatable to the modern person. But they, the point is they were spiritual concepts, the idea of of becoming a better person and the idea of becoming a cleaner person were sort of metaphorically like related in, in the ancient mind. And so there's a kind of, there is a way in which like cleaning is a way of creating a spiritual um, experience, spiritual atmosphere. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that all of us, if we could infuse a little bit of that spirit into our current crisis driven cleanliness rituals could maybe find a way to shake a little bit of positive meaning out of how often we are currently cleansing ourselves. So I think like to everybody listening, uh, as you wash your hands and every time I wash my hands, it's like a, a, a kind of a reminder, like that I'm living in abnormal times and I'm living it with a tsunami of fear that I wonder when it's going to crash on society. I kind of like this idea that if I can think to myself, oh, but actually this is the way the ancients used to do it. And actually cleaning yourself to, uh, to prevent uh, that which is, you know, n- doesn't belong 
has been here for a long time, well, then maybe it can be a sort of slightly positive memory too. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that that I I think that is um, there that that potential is there, and and I would just say that we're as we think about all of these regulations that we're putting on ourselves, you know, that the government is is issuing, but that we're also taking on ourselves, you know, we're grappling, I think, probably with this with some of the same um, tension that has always um, um, been there in this conversation for our people, which is. How do you um, keep yourself, you know, attentive to what's important without obsessing on it? And and that's that's a real, you know, there's there's this, you know, with Jewish law in general, there's a tendency to kind of go obsessive and get like get sort of uh, um, crazy about like about checking all the boxes and being in all the details. And I think, you know, I think we're all kind of struggling with that now. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to mess up at all. And I don't want to touch anything that's, it's like, I get it finally. I get there's this idea of like impurities out there. Like I, I can now relate in a way that I've never been able to, to something that like, that, that the priests in the Torah are talking about. This idea of just like, mm, be careful. There are, there are toxic forces out there. But I also feel like I don't know where to draw the line. Like I, I, I want to be clean and I want to, you know, stay six feet away from people. But I mean, you could just stay in your house and you could be thinking about this all the time and you can be washing your hands too much. And it's like, that's, that's the, there's, that's the delicate balance. I, I think probably you could say with all of Jewish practice, but certainly with this, this hand washing or staying clean or staying isolated, all this stuff that we're dealing with now, it's like, it's the right thing to do. Maybe there's even, you're suggesting that there's maybe even something, some kind of kind of intent like intention the sacred intention that we could put into it but we also kind of have to be careful not to let it take over our minds you know well i just read this article that's going around right now the uh, atlantic article about what the post-covid world will look like and it speaks directly to what you're saying which is that eventually all of the kids that are born now are going to be raised in a society for better or for worse that came after we experienced this pandemic and they will all be living in a world that was affected by this virus. Yeah. And so for those people, washing your hands for 20 seconds and being fastidious isn't going to be an obsession or a neurosis or a, a, a source of anxiety and pain. It's probably going to just be something cultural. It's going to be something that's in their culture. In the same way you're saying maybe neurosis came into Jewish culture, the world to come literally the next culture to come will be one that is used to having to wash its hands in a way that isn't like wash your hands after you eat is like, no, in this society we wash. So in that way, well, maybe we're all moving back towards the time of the priest and the way they thought about washing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think, I think that's, that's, that's well put. And, and I, I, I said this to you once before, but I think that um, our grandmother spoke more often about like hygiene and being clean. It was just like, not that our parents didn't, but there was something I think in that generation, maybe I'm just imagining it, but I feel like when I was a kid, it was much more like I, older people would, would held that as a value. And I, I don't know, this is just a theory, but I wonder like there was another pandemic in 1918. And, and I wonder if every so often in history, something happens that reminds people that being clean isn't just like, an obsessive, uh, neurotic thing, but actually, there, there's something good about it. It 
it's important and it even saves life. And we have to be mindful of it the way we are of all kinds. We don't, you know, you hear cleanliness is a, is a virtue or cleanliness is next to godliness. And you sort of roll your eyes like, okay, that's not, that's not a real virtue. But right now it feels like it is. It's actually, you're, you're doing something good by staying clean. And that's, and it, you know, that's getting kicked up now and, and may, may last for like our children's generation. And then I wonder if after, you know, a hundred years or so, that virtue sort of fades and people don't understand why, why do you have to be so obsessed with it? And then, you know, and then you find reason to be in a time like this again. Right. Well, I, I think that for now, anyway, we're finding the virtue of cleaning our hands very practically real. If you're out there listening, you should watch a video on how to wash your hands. There are videos out there that will blow your mind on how you haven't been washing your hands. Wash for 20 seconds after you, uh, after you do anything and eventually this will pass. And anyway, cleaning your hands is not as important as fighting against the real uncleanliness, which is, of course, the wet dream. <laughs> not under any circumstances give in to the wet dream. And I think that's a really perfect place for us to end this episode of Kasher versus Kasher. Rabbi? Yeah, no, that's, uh, I don't have any more bloviating to that's a, that's a perfect period. All right, well... We'll see you next time on Kasher versus Kasher. Again, I'm Moshe Kasher. And I am David Kasher. We are Kasher versus Kasher, which sounds somewhat adversarial, but, but we love each other too, don't we? We do, but we are, in fact, adversaries, you bloviating hot bag of wind, you. Is it bloviating or bloviating? All right, I don't know. See you next week. Yum, bum, 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 bum. Bum 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 bum